I'm Christine Dolan, and I'm a journalist, and I know a lot of people know Mike Lindell because of some of the issues having to do with elections, but I know him in a different way. Last year, in the middle of the 2020 election, my back was killing me because I'm teleworking. So a friend of mine sent me a pillow that Mike Lindell manufactured, and it helped me to sit on a chair doing interviews, too many interviews during the day because we're all working off-site. And then this year, because we're working off-site and we, we all want to be comfortable, I tried Mike Lindell's slippers. Now, I'm a big one on slippers because I like comfort. I have worn moccasin slippers all my life. And when I tried Mike Lindell's slippers, I couldn't believe this because it really does have four layers of cushions. It's like having very loose tennis shoes on. And it's easy because you really do wear them all night long if you're working like me from the early hours of the morning to the late hours at night. So I highly recommend Mike Lindell's slippers and his pillows if you've got a back problem and you're sitting down. Now, how you get the discount for this is very simple. It's on our site. CDM is the promo code for it. Promo code CDM is what we're asking you to do. Again, you will feel comfortable for your back with those little pillows that he has and also for the slippers that you can get from him. And now let's get to our guests. So today in American Conversations, we have Del Bigtree, who is uh, the executive producer, owner of the High Wire, uh, and he has addressed health for a long period of time. Del, welcome to American Conversations. Thank you for having me, Christina. It's a pleasure. Uh, to be here. So let's let's talk about first the event um, because yeah. you, you we covered uh, January the defeat mandates in D.C. the convoy that came to D.C. the Canadian convoy. Let's talk about how this continues up to April 10th and what you hope to, you know, what your goals are in California for this defeat. You know, just as I was driving in to do this interview, you know, I was talking to a relative of mine and she was like, there's so many of these laws are illegal and it's like people aren't even calling them out or they're just accepting it. And I said, you know, a law is what we accept. I mean, it's in law. As long as we accept it, it's not illegal. Uh, and we're getting to a place where we're losing more and more of our rights. And the more that we accept it, the more that it then ends up sort of being uh, chiseled into stone and almost impossible to get those rights back. And we're on this very, very slippery slope right now after coming through this pandemic where we should be asking ourselves very important questions. Does the government own my body? Am I a property of the government of the United States of America or am I a freestanding citizen? That may seem extreme, but that is literally what we are talking about. If you cannot work, if you cannot be involved in commerce in this country, if you don't have those rights to make that choice for yourself and you have to be injected with a product that the government forces upon you, you have your, you know, your rights have been reduced from that of a freestanding citizen to what I would liken more to a farm animal. At that point, then the farmer just injects the pigs and the cows and there's nothing they can say about it. And that's how the government is now looking at us as people. Once we really, truly allow that to be the, 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 the stature of our um, 
system in America, then I don't know what right you have left. I don't know what else you're clinging to when you decide to call yourself a free person. And so huge rally. We had a gigantic rally to defeat the mandates rally in Washington, D.C. It was a, a spectacular success. As someone uh, like myself, I've been marching and going to rallies and doing this, talking about medical freedom uh, really since the beginning of 2016 when my documentary Vaxxed uh, came out. Um, and I will tell you that that moment in Washington, D.C., to watch what appeared to be, some of the people are saying is as high as 40,000 people, certainly more than 20,000 people, somewhere in the tens of thousands of people. But we marched from the monument to uh, the Lincoln Memorial there. And when I turned back, when I was standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and looking back you know, down that beautiful site across the water, to the monument and just saw every lane, every sidewalk that was open, packed with people, as far as you could see, this river of humanity marching its way to the stage. And I thought, we have finally arrived. We are no longer, you know, some, you know, uh, uh, outside group or, or a thorn in someone's side. We are, are now a movement. We are now a voting body. We now make a difference in the United States of America. And you immediately after that started seeing real shifts in policy uh, by Joe Biden, started lifting mandates across the country. We're seeing everything sort of relax uh, for the moment. Um, but we're doing that rally again in California, where California seems to have not woken up uh, from from that rally. I mean, they have 10 of the ugliest bills we've ever seen. You know, my nonprofit funded um, an, a lawsuit against a bill in Washington, D.C., where they wanted 11-year-olds to consent to vaccination without parental uh, approval, right? Uh, that law was passed. It was codified. There were 11-year-olds making decisions for themselves. They have no idea of their medical history. They don't know if they had an injury or an allergic reaction when they were a baby that their parents mm -hmm. never told them about, and now their parents aren't involved. But here's what's so scary about uh, those laws, Christina. It's not just that your child is making a choice outside of you know your supervision, but the law mandated that the doctor was going to have to lie to the parents, create a fake vaccine record that the parents would be given. The insurance company was mandated to write up a fake billing system to hide the vaccine from the parents. And the school, the public or private school, was going to be forced to have a separate school record of vaccinations that the parents would see. This means you literally have multiple, and by the way, it's a, a government law, so the government, the, your school, the doctor, and the insurance companies are all conspiring against the parent with the child. I mean, this right. precedent is, is it's, we haven't seen something like this, you know, since really ugly times in history. I mean, whether you want to look at Nazi Germany or you know, North Korea, however you look at it, that's how people live that have no citizenry, have no rights to themselves, their families. And so uh, we fought that and we won that lawsuit just two weeks ago. We struck that down. Well, guess what? California is bringing that exact same law 12 and over. They want 12-year-olds to be able to make decisions for themselves. That's just one of the laws. A mandatory COVID vaccine, this is a total failure, this vaccine, in all schools, colleges, public schools, private schools. Um, they're about to lay off, I think it's four or 5,000 law enforcement and public workers who have not gotten the vaccine so far. Uh, so so let, me, let me ask you this. Crazy. So, yeah. so let me ask you this, because, you know, I've been covering corruption for decades and, and I, I have said this publicly and I, I've taken on the Catholic Church for sex scandals. I've taken mm. on you know, human trafficking all over the world. 
this is a very, very deep, corrosive corruption story. I, I think this may be the, the biggest I've ever I've ever covered. And, and it's very hard to even wrap my brain around it because just like you explained, when we talk about parental rights, it's, it's the coercion that is used with the insurance companies, with the schools, with the medical. So when we talk about medical freedom, how do, how do we, because there are still a lot of people who are asleep at the wheel. How yeah. do we, how do we wake people up to make them understand that, you know, we, we have in this country about 90, 80 to 90 million people that were born since 1990. Mm -hmm. When 9-11 happened, we're still taking our shoes off at the airport, all right? And people don't know about the world that you and I grew up in as a kid, where right. it was up to the parents to make a decision. You had options. You had options of medical choice. If you needed to have an operation, you could decide not to do it or to do it and how you wanted to do it. But this is invasive in terms of what the policies are now. How do we wake people up that that don't see what you see or I see? You know, I uh, obviously I do a weekly talk, so the entire goal uh, is to wake people up. Um, and I have to resign myself to the fact that I'm not going to be able to wake everyone up. You know, there are people that this is this is a deeply held religious belief uh, is how I would describe um, sort of vaccinations, especially specifically, but sort of also uh, mainstream medicine. So many people might call themselves Christians or Jews or Muslims, but if their doctor tells them they're dying from cancer, they give up all hope. They don't believe that there's anything bigger than the, that doctor. The doctor becomes their God. I would argue that the most powerful religion in the world today is modern medicine. Uh, we turn our lives over to these people without question. We do not in fact, we are perfectly happy or clear, you know, okay with the fact that people that have been questioning the science and, and this untested vaccine are being censored. Uh, when we reach that point, we are in a very, very scary position. We are talking about an industry that knowingly maims and kills people all the time, pays out billions of dollars in lawsuits that are uh, you know, against the, the pharmaceutical industry for exactly what? For lying about the safety. They lied about the safety of Biox. They lied about the safety, you know, of FenFen. -Fen. I mean, I could go on and on. You know the list. But, that's, but, that, but see, I, I think that that's important for people to understand. This didn't just show up with COVID. No. It landed on everybody's kitchen table because of COVID, because it was a global pandemic, or they called it a global pandemic. But what is what is it that people don't see? They, I mean, they look at the medical divinity of the white coat in terms of the doctors. They don't see that Pfizer and all these other pharmaceutical companies have paid out billions through the years. Most people don't know about the 1986 Act. They don't know until now, and, and many people still don't know, even with COVID, that that you have no. There's no there's no liability. There's no responsibility, not just for the pharmaceutical companies, but anybody that pushed this. I mean, we ended up having the Pope become a doctor. Fauci right. became a God with a little G and Biden yeah. is the pharmaceutical pimp from the white house. Yes. And, and people well, believe this. I think that's exactly where the issue is at. Uh, to be honest, 
I don't take issue with Pfizer. I don't take issue with Moderna and these drug companies. Uh, I'm a critical thinking person, and my historical reference of the life that I've lived says that multi-billion dollar multinational companies have no problem killing people if it adds to their bottom dollar. They make assessments all the time that we don't think enough people will sue to damage the profits we're going to make uh, until we end up in a courtroom. Um, and so Pfizer, Moderna, all these companies, they are the, the highest paid murderers we've ever seen. And I mean murder. They murder people knowingly. When we have lawsuits against these drugs that are dangerous, that's why they pay billions of dollars, because we see their own internal emails saying, yeah, yeah, sure, it's going to kill people, but we can afford it. We'll make more money on the product from those still using it. And so and I don't I'll be honest, I don't think it's lost on most people that drug companies are greedy, that they don't really care about humanity. I think if you stop your average person on the street and say, do you trust drug companies implicitly with your health? Uh, do you think that they're only out for your health and not out for their own bottom dollar? Your average person in America will say, no, of course, it's one of the greediest industries there is. Well, but how, but how do we have how do we have 70 uh, over 70 percent of Americans are on prescriptions? How, how, how do you, that, 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 it's almost become, it's normalized. Here's why. Here's why. I mean, ultimately, because there is a faith that the doctors that are recommending these things and the mm -hmm. health departments that are recommending these things have made sure that these products were properly tested, that these were made safe. And to be honest, even for your doctors, your doctors are too busy to read the studies, to look at the trials, to see was it a proper double-blind randomized control study that said that this product was safe. No doctor that I have met in the years I've traveled, except, you know, all right, a, a rare a handful ever really do their own due diligence. Doing your due diligence for a doctor means I go to the CDC's website. I look up the product I'm questioning. If the CDC says safe, non-habit forming, like they did Oxycontin for the last decade, and now people are dying over 100,000 right. or roughly 100,000 every year, that now the CDC is changing its tune. But the FDA, the CDC, that is the, that is the you know, those are the popes. That is the clergy, really, of, of this system. And so the problem we have is not that Pfizer or Moderna, they're always going to lie. They're always going to cheat, just like an oil company lies as soon as they have an oil spill. They don't call everybody and say, hey, we spilled some oil. We'll pay a fine, but get in here and help us. The first thing they do is try and hide it. They pour chemicals on it to try and hide it so no one sees it. It's human nature to lie and hide when you've made a mistake mistake. Here is our problem. It's the loss of our regulatory agencies. It's the fact that these industries have taken control of our regulatory agencies. I think that that is the biggest shift that no one is paying attention to. When we see recently, when we're seeing the Sackler family, for instance, that's mm -hmm. in the middle of this Oxycontin issue. Everyone is going, oh, good. I mean, the courts have finally ruled it's their fault. They're going to pay out billions of dollars. And whatever. then it didn't. Well, and then it didn't. But, but my point is, I don't even care about them. How about the FDA and the CDC? The FDA is the reason that the, that the doctors have been recommending it. The CDC is the reason it's been recommending it. They're the ones that should have been all over the, all of the science coming out saying, this doesn't look good. We have a job to do. They're supposed to be regulating this. And instead, they walk into the sunset and they have no responsibility for having foisted this incredibly uh, toxic, addictive product upon us. 
Our problem is the CDC is now being run by people from Merck, from Pfizer, from Sanofi Aventis, and we know it. Our EPA is being run by people from Monsanto. You know, uh, the, the FAA is being run by Boeing executives. I mean, this is the problem with our country right now is that the fox is guarding the hen house. And if we could shift that, if we could change that, then people could go back to, I think, trusting the system. But right now, we have the, the, our regulatory agencies are working for the industries we're supposed to be being protected from. And that's my message to the world right now. You're on your own. This is the Wild West. If you think your government is protecting you, if you think they're taking care of you or have your best interest in mind, you're wrong. So I have, I have a question for you, okay? I don't disagree with sure. you on that at all. But... I, I have a problem. Uh, I, I watched an interview uh, I don't know, last week or 10 days. I'm losing track of time now, um, being buried in this. But it, Owen, but Candace Owens interviewed um, Dr. Malone. Gotcha. And when they talked about the FDA and, and Malone came back, pushed back a little bit about, you know, these people, you can't blame everything on the FDA because there are people that they are. I've heard this from other doctors. And I know that I have some sources that are inside the FDA. And the excuses I hear is that, you know, they just want to get to their pensions, you know? So basically what we're talking about is, and I have people inside pharmaceutical companies that I'm talking to, and they're terrified, okay? They don't think whistleblowers will survive. But what we're really talking about is a lack of ethics. Yes. I mean, there's a complete breakdown of ethics in the medical, the pharmaceutical, the regulatory system. How do we take that back? Because this was not always the way it was in America. Well, number one, I mean, I think a lot of your problems stem from the fact that the funding that we've allowed into our government by these companies is obscene. I mean, the fact that they are nominating, they are basically funding our president. All of the polls and the studies have shown that the, you know, the voting public is not who is deciding who politicians are, the lobbyists and the funding that is putting them into power, that's who they're answering to. And so again, it's, 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 and it's almost sort of nauseating to say it because I think we've all given up hope that we can pull the funding out of uh, the government, out of politics, because while you have these the number one most powerful lobby in Washington, number one, not two, not five, number one is pharma. I've been traveling right. the country for the last five years warning people, I'm telling you there's going to be a pandemic or something that comes along to try and scare everybody into a constant vaccination program. Adults aren't getting their vaccines. We weren't. We just didn't know. We needed all the same vaccines we had as children because they've all worn off. There's billions, if not trillions of dollars to be made. And so I was saying to people, pharma's the number one lobby in Washington. They're the mm -hmm. ones buying your next senator, your next governor. You know, they're the ones that are in there. Now, to give it perspective, oil and gas, I think, is number three. Pharma is spending twice the amount of money that oil and gas puts into our government. We fight wars in the Middle East. We're probably partly involved in this Ukrainian-Russia thing because of oil and gas. I mean, this mess that is created around the world, that mess is created by that lobby. But 
pharma is spending twice that. People have got to ask themselves, what do you think they are buying with that money, with that level of power? They are buying your body. This COVID thing was an attempt to take control over every decision that you thought you were making for yourself. And we saw it. You're not going to have a job. We're not going to let you work. And these weren't politicians making these decisions. These were bureaucratic doctor scientists like Fauci, people we never elected. We have let these people become dictators that have never gone through the election process here in the United States of America or any other democratic nation in the world. Were you were you surprised how 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 quickly everybody just jumped in line and acted like sheep in 2020 when when this broke? I mean, I, I found myself. I mean, I've traveled all over the world. I've been to third world countries. I d never thought that I would see this happen in my own homeland. Were you I, were you shocked uh, by it? I always said, you know, because I would have this debate with friends my entire life. I think since high school, I was obsessed with the idea. I would always say, I think everyone is capable of being a Nazi. If you're socialized correctly, if the situation is correct, I don't think Every, I don't think people are bad people. I think it's very easy to be manipulated. But I will admit, I always believed anyone would be a Nazi. I thought it would take longer than five minutes. And that's what I did find shocking, how quickly in Los Angeles, uh, I think it was uh, Mayor Garcetti put up a, 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 a snitch line and, and told everybody, snitch on anyone in your neighborhood that's not wearing a mask. And I mean, their phone was ringing off the hook. I mean, it, it, to think that we would that quickly right. go into reporting on each other you know what are you going to report on someone hiding in their basement i mean the whole thing is quite terrifying but look they use the same tactic that's always worked throughout time which is fear those people are going to get you killed it's an imaginary enemy you know it was amazing to me what was really amazing and i and, and i had been predicting there was going to be a pandemic whether it was manufactured or maybe they would allow people in the country just look the other way I thought it was going to be something like Ebola. I thought, you know, we have a vaccine for Ebola. We did that test run where three or four people came to this country. Everyone got terrified. A couple of them got on airplanes. It was just a bizarre situation. But I thought you were going to have like a serious virus going to be released or just accepted, move across the border, maybe the southern border. I never thought you would be able to pull off what they have achieved with a bad cold. And I, I don't want to put down, you know, I hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost. There's no doubt about that. And we could get into how many would have been saved had they had the proper treatments with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. But still, to date, with all of the medical malpractice, with everything that took place around the world, this thing still has a death rate of right around 0.25%. A quarter of 1%, not like an Ebola that has, a, I think, a 7 or 9% fatality rate if you're infected. I mean, a, a quarter of 1%. It's just a fraction above what flu is capable of every single year. I didn't think you could turn people into Nazis, have them lock people down. Countries like New Zealand and Australia literally putting people in isolation camps uh, that were testing positive. For a, for a virus with the death rate of a quarter of 1%. That, those are the things that really shocked me. Um, but 
I also want to give hope that I'm really happy that it didn't get everybody, that the, especially here in the United States of America, they really didn't get to their goal with this uh, experimental vaccine. I think a lot of people are going to be having serious health issues going into the future, but we will survive as a country because of how many people ended up rejecting that vaccine program. Um, in the end, I think of all the first world nations, we really pushed back the hardest, which says that people just inherently still don't like being told what to do in America. There's still blood in our veins that says, you know what, I'm skeptical. I don't trust you. I want to see more safety testing. And now that you're censoring people, I really don't trust you. Mm, so so what do you think? How, how do you think um, politics plays into it for 2022? I mean, let, it seems to be that people are learning now who con- who wants to control their body and how it's done. It's not just, you know, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a federal side of this, but let's talk about the, the local politics and how important it is yeah. for people to get involved. What, what are you seeing? I mean, I'll say this. First of all, I'm, I work for a nonprofit, so I don't make political recommendations, but you're asking my opinion. My opinion is I think we're going to see one of the greatest swings um, in political history, uh, a landslide swing uh, in the direction of, you know, libertarians, Republicans, conservatives. I'm not even saying it's justified. I think that you have people on all sides. I consider myself politically marooned now because I'm, I'm so I mean, I'm, I'm a lifelong Democrat. Uh, as is Bobby Kennedy, who I work a lot with. Um, it's really shocking to see what the party I grew up in is standing for. Uh, I believed in free speech. My parents marched in the 60s in Chicago. They were hippies. They, they, I mean, freedom was the battle cry of that generation. And here that same generation and that same party is accepting the complete and total censorship of anybody dissenting against the government. I mean, part of the movement uh, that happened in the sixties was based on Nixon's lies and his attempt to simply control, you know, an election in, in a very feeble way compared to what we're seeing now. And yet it ignited this fervor to stand for liberty and freedom, the right to choose my own education, uh, college to decide whether I'm going to war or not. And here, that same generation and, and that those politics now fully accept uh, whether I'm allowed to work or not is decided by my government. What is injected in my body is decided by my government. It's really slid a long way. And I think that um, we've got to do a better job of not really, I'm not saying to choose party sides, but we should start asking these critical questions. Do you believe the government uh, actually has more control over my child than I do? Uh, because if you're a parent and the answer to that is, well, yes, the government supersedes the power of the parent over a child, essentially the government is mm-hmm. owns the child, then I wouldn't be electing for that person no matter who it is. And, and we just saw just based on that, you know, in Virginia, the governor there really got his butt kicked the moment he said parents don't have any right to, to the, the discussion right. about Very education. Cool. So I think that the, the power of parents is going to be a huge um, deciding factor uh, this year in the elections that's going to affect a lot. It's parents' choice for education, which Democrats are saying that they don't want parents there. Parents' right to choose what's being injected in their children and medical choices. Nobody wants the government making the medical choices for their own children. Uh, I mean, we didn't fight to not be, I mean, 
to, to be, you know, a free medical system. We didn't want socialism for all of those reasons so that we get to choose. And now the government is going to become one of the most powerful uh, socialism machines we've ever seen based around medicine. I just think that uh, this election is going to be greatly affected by this. And we're seeing that. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing politicians starting to come to these rallies that I'm going to and stump to that audience. That says we're in a totally different place. Do you, do you see that shift? Do you see that shift? that shift? Okay, so let's let's bring it back down. Let's, yeah. bring, it, let's bring it back down to, to April 10th in California. Okay, you got it. Because there's ten, there's ten, um, was it ten, ten bills that that, uh, and I don't know whether this is Senator Pan or who's behind it in California, but they're, yeah. they're pushing through these draconian, which goes directly to what she just said about taking yeah. care, of, and th th there's also not informing the parents. No. So, so, and, and and this is this is where I think that the people have to understand. If you allow an institution, call the government, to decide what shot what your child is going to get, and it's it's not just if you choose to give your child that vaccination, okay, and you get a Russian roulette and it flips your life upside down. Right. But if the government decides, and then you're saddled with the risk and the damage if the child is yeah. damaged. And Dell, let's talk about because you have spoken to families who have been damaged, okay? I've interviewed yes. these vaccines injured for COVID, but also for the MMR and, and some of the yeah. others. Let's talk about what happens to families because I don't think the people that don't see what we, you and I see, they don't see the collapse of the family life behind yeah. those doors. No. I mean, yeah. in, in, I, and maybe that's the kitchen table link for people to understand this. We don't understand what is in a part of our lives. And unfortunately, this is one of those situations where we're, where very few of us are learning from other people's experience. It's not till we're injured ourselves or someone in our family is injured. Do we wake up to the reality that this is happening in increasing numbers? I mean, let's be honest. When the vaccine program was roughly 10 vaccines, maybe you got somewhere around there. I think I might even my generation had less. But by the 1980s, we were still at about 10 vaccinations by the time you were 18. Then we took liability away with the 1986 Act, as you pointed out, so that now you can't sue the manufacturer for any injury. You can't sue the doctor. You can't sue the hospital. Nobody. Everybody's indemnified. And you had this gold rush. We went from 10 vaccines to 54 vaccines, actually 54 shots, 72 total vaccines, because some of those shots obviously DTAP have three different elements in them. In that same moment, when we were giving 10 vaccines, the chronic illness rate of children in the United States of America was roughly 12%. 12% of kids had, uh, there's two categories of chronic illness, either a neurological disorder or an autoimmune disease. Right. 12%. When we accelerated to 54 vaccines, we ended up watching that rate climb to now more than 54% of America's children have a lifelong chronic illness they're going to be taking drugs for the rest of their lives, either a neurological disorder or an autoimmune disease. There are real parents behind that, some, of, some more serious than others, asthma, ADD, ADHD, all these medications needed all the time. How many schools now have EpiPens everywhere you go? I mean, when I was 
was in school, honestly, I remember one kid in my entire school that would pull out that inhaler, you know, couldn't do sports. And I remember just thinking, oh, that poor kid. Now it's like four or five of those kids in every single classroom. We have seen the greatest decline in children's health in the modern world and maybe in ever. We've never seen a rise from 12% to 54% permanent injury and illness um, in any uh, recording that in we look at. Three generations. It's just three it's, generations. Three generations, literally. And so when we look at that, there's real stories behind that. Some of it's very severe. You've got Tourette's. You've got all sorts of neurological disorders. And then, of course, autism is the, the big uh, buzzword. And, and, and people are afraid to speak about it. But those families, one of the reasons they've gotten away with it is those families are essentially, and at least I'm talking about the severe autistic, you know, children. There are those that have Asperger's. I'm all about, I mean, acceptance into society. Those that can work and go to school, fantastic. Uh, I support all of that. But for those severely injured children, those parents never leave the home. We never see those individuals because they might ride out into a street. They might run towards a police officer and be inappropriate and get themselves shot. They could run and, and drown themselves. Their doors are locked. These people are living in a private hell, in a prison inside of their houses that we never see. That was one of the beauties of Vax when I, when I was traveling with that film. At the end of every single screening, I would stand up and just say to, at the Q&As, will everyone with a, a vaccine-injured child please stand up? And I remember the first time I said it and three quarters of the room stood up. It was like the oxygen got sucked out of the room. But one of the beautiful things about that film was it was not just our experience, those who hadn't suffered that, but those who had recognizing they weren't alone. These people didn't know they were the size of a movement. They didn't know they could have been a voting block because they were hidden inside of their homes trying to take care of their children. They're smashing their heads against the wall or spreading feces around the walls. I'm being extreme, but this exists. Those are the stories. Those are the lives. stories. Those, those are reality. Yeah. And, so, and, and to think that we can't even find the description of autism in any of the greatest diagnosticians in, in the history not Freud, not Charcot, Tourette's. These guys would go to insane asylums, draw up every malady that they could, they could find. There's not a single description of what we now describe as autism. And the, the reason I point this out is mainstream medicine, the CDC, their default position has become autism's always been here. We're just diagnosing it better. That's ridiculous. That is so patently insane. It's, it's beyond belief for all those reasons I said. And I just say to your average person, when we went and saw Rain Man, the movie, why was it so like incredible? We hadn't met Rain Man before. It, we were like, wow, that's a crazy story. That really exists. Now everyone knows a Rain Man. There are neighbors. There are our friends' kids. They're everywhere. We have gone from one in 10,000, which is a super rare issue back in Rain Man days, to now one in 45 children, some say as low as one in 34. And if you just count the boys that are suffering at a higher rate, we're somewhere in the one in 18 to one in 20 boys in America are all regressing into autism. This is a crisis that is not only going to destroy the families we're talking about, it's going to make it difficult to raise a standing army in the future in the direction we're heading. It may even be hard to raise a standing Starbucks if we do not stop whatever's taking place here. So on April 10th, uh, yeah. in Grant, it's Grant Park, right? That's where Grant, 
Grand Park, um, right there in downtown L.A., starting at noon. This, I think, is the most important event that will ever happen on this issue in the United States of America. These 10 bills that are going to take away the rights of employees, take away the rights of the working man and woman, the rights of children, it's going to give the government and, and like I said, the schools the rights to, to have your children and help them conspire against you. Uh, I mean, draconian laws like we have never seen before. If you thought it was bad during COVID. Wait till your average day in California if these bills pass. And by the way, anyone listening that doesn't live in California says, well, that's them. This is a war that's going on. That is a huge battleground to lose. If we lose California, that is the test ground. Then you're going to start seeing that that disease, that destruction of that that's eating the life of freedom and liberty in this country away. It's going to spread. We have got to all show up in California and say, no, we are present and accounted for. We still stand with the same DNA and blood pumping through our veins that our founding fathers did, that Martin Luther King did. The oppression of any people is not allowed here. And we certainly can't be oppressed because of our medical decision. So this rally, we're expecting it to be the biggest event that we've ever had. But that's only true if everybody says, you know what, I know it's spring break or I know whatever's going on. Uh, I am going to go and attend. I'm going to stand there. We're talking to celebrities. We're trying to give, get people to be bold enough to stand on the stage. We're not anti-vaccine. This isn't an anti-vaccine rally. This is a pro-choice, anti-mandate rally. The government has no place injecting you or your children with products that you do not approve of. That is all this is about. If you approve of it, go ahead. No one's going to stop you from taking these products, but don't force your neighbors and don't force people around you. And by the way, if you allow vaccinations to be mandated, how about Ritalin? How about, how about antidepressants? What happens once the government is now making decisions for your kid and they say, you know what, Susie seems a little bit down in the dumps lately and her you know, guidance officer said that she thinks she's depressed, we're putting her on, on psych meds. And the parents have no choice in the matter because that is what we are talking you about. Know, they tried to do that in the 90s in California they, they, when, in the days of the Ritalin. Um, and the, the people fought back, but they tried to do that, it, you know, in the 1990s, because a friend of mine um, who was cover journal, another journalist was covering it at the time. And th this is this is what I don't understand is what is it about, though, that people don't understand this? They don't understand medical, the, the lack of medical freedom. It's the same issue with any discussion of freedom. If it's not affecting me, then what do I care? If it's not my issue, why do I care? I was like that with guns. I'm not a gun owner. I, you know, what difference does it make if someone loses their guns? But it's sort of like that famous poem in Nazi Germany by uh, Neil Meyer. Or I forget his name, but he basically right. says, you know, for? when they came for the trade unionists, I didn't say anything. I wasn't a trade unionist. You know, when they came for the Jews, I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. But when they came for me, there was no one left to stand up for me. This is the position we find ourselves in. And, and medical freedom should be important to everyone. And I, let me try to make this as clear because you're right. I'm, I'm, I am mystified at the fact that there's any div divisiveness or division on this conversation at mm. all. But look, I grew up in an environmentalist. I could never understand why we weren't all agreeing that we wanted clean water and clean air and clean food. I mean, so there's a way that the media has and our pundits have of 
confusing us towards these issues. But let me try to speak to those people that might think that they're on the right side with mandated vaccines. I'm going to go ahead and assume that most of those people believe that Donald Trump was one of the worst leaders this country's ever seen. Some describe him as a Hitler, a dictator. I'm not here to discuss whether or not that's true, but I want to speak to those people. You have laws that are about to mandate vaccines that you will have no control over. And even though you may trust Joe Biden right now and you trust the fact that he believes in this vaccine, once you give up that right to control what's injected into you, that goes to every future leader in this country. And if there is any part of you that believes that we are capable of making a mistake in our elections, that we could be hoodwinked and elect a dangerous human being that doesn't have our best interest, whether we're gay, uh, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, African-American, Latino, Catholic, Jewish, whatever it is, if it's possible to have a bad actor in office, then imagine that they now have a tool to inject you with whatever they want. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. Hitler would have dreamed to have a tool like this, that you could just eradicate the ability to give birth, that you could even cause heart swelling and blood clots and death in certain specific people. And there's nothing they can do about it. They have to line up to get that vaccination. If there's any part of you that has a fear that we could have a bad actor lead this, and if it's Donald Trump, can you imagine? that the next leader that you think is dangerous goes to one of their cronies who makes a brand new vaccine, and then they tell you there's an emergency reason why you need it, so there's gonna be no safety trials whatsoever like we just saw with COVID, and now everyone is gonna be lined up to get this product from that president that you think has is trying to kill you or does not like your race or your religion. That power is what you gave away in California if you don't stand up and fight right now. We are talking about the most dangerous power ever handed to a government ever. This affects your life. We literally cull deer. We reduce deer populations with vaccines. That's how we do it. We give them vaccines that take away their ability to give birth. We could do that with a vaccine program at any time. I don't like African-Americans. We go ahead and just change out the vaccine that African-Americans are getting in their community, Latinos, or maybe gay communities. We don't like it. We go ahead and take out the ability for anybody to procreate. This is, this is a future that is not dystopian if we allow it to happen. We are living into this. This is a right we must maintain. I am all about, I'm not against pharma. We have all, I've had a surgery. There are great products there. I want regulatory agencies that make sure things are safe. But you know what? Beyond the stopgap of a regulatory agency is my right to choose it's my right to read the label. It's my right to go and read all the science and put together my own formulations on whether this is a good idea for me or my family. And we and your right and your right and your right to reject. That's absolutely right. My right mm -hmm. to reject and take the consequences that come with that. Every single choice we make comes with consequences. Not getting a vaccine has consequences. Getting a vaccine has consequences. We are not here to dictate to each other. If we are, go live in China, go to Russia, go somewhere else. The, this experiment, the United States of America, our founding fathers said, look, you are most definitely going to want to control those people around you that don't think like you do. But that is not what this country represents. They said to us, please, I think Ben Franklin said it best, don't 
ever, 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 you know, give up a little bit of liberty to achieve a little bit of safety. You will have neither liberty nor safety. We must not keep using the government to control our neighbors, to make them do things we want them to do. We have got to remain free. If we don't, and if we lose control of our body, forget about it. Forget about your land rights. Forget about your water rights. Forget about your parental rights. It is all gone. And it is all on the chopping block in Los Angeles and in California right now. That's why we are going to have the biggest rally of all times. We are going to stand shoulder to shoulder and let the world know that we are still the beacon of light and hope of freedom and liberty in the United States of America. And nobody's going to take that away from us. Del Bittry, thank you very much. Good luck on April 10th, Grant Park, Los Angeles, all day event. Fantastic. I'll see you all there.